Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 238th interview of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we are going to talk about fathers and teenage sons and teenage daughters. We'll answer questions like, what is unique about the father-son relationship? What are some of the mistakes the fathers make with their sons and daughters? And how can they turn that around? And I also ask how moms can give parenting advice to the dads so that they will listen. Our guest today is Luke Entrup. Luke teaches his clients to cultivate the clarity of the mind to discover the wisdom of the body and to harness passion as the jet fuel of their transformation. He works as a coach and teacher. He takes clients through major life transitions and rites of passage, acting as a bridge between who they are today and who they dream to be tomorrow. He is a frequent speaker on the topic of reintroducing rites of passage into our culture. He is the founder of the Father-Son Connection Experience, a weekend rite of passage for boys and their father. Welcome, Luke Entrup. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, so the first question I ask all my guests is if you are a parent, and if so, what are the ages of your kids? Yes, I am. I'm a father to a 12-year-old boy and a nine-year-old daughter. Perfect. Wonderful. So you created the Father-Son Connection Experience. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about that and why you created that? Of course. Yeah. So let me start with why I created it, which is I have a 12-year-old boy, as I mentioned. And a few years ago, I started to look at him and I started seeing like he's really growing up here. Like he is no longer my little baby. He is coming into his own. He has his own opinions. He has hopes and dreams for himself in his life. And I just noticed like we're at a new stage here. He's no longer kind of in the young childhood phase of life. He's entering into adolescence or, you know, at that time, like kind of pre-adolescence. And, you know, I just realized like there were things I wanted to share with him about the path of kind of becoming a teenage boy. And so I started thinking about, well, what could that look like? What could a way to kind of mark this transition from childhood into adolescence? And I kept getting this kind of image in my mind of being around a fire with some of my dear buddies, like the men in my life that I trust, that I feel really like they're just good men. They're there for me. They're there for my family. They maybe have kids themselves, maybe not. And I just had this picture of, you know, my son and me, these other men, and maybe if they have some boys, we're sitting around a fire, we're having conversations about what does it mean to be a good man? What does it mean to be on the path from boyhood into manhood? And what are the elements or ingredients or qualities 
ways of being, ways of living that could set him up on the path of just living the life of a man of integrity, accountability, you know, giving back to his community and just being a kind hearted, you know, young man. And out of that, we created this experience, the father son connection experience, and it's a rite of passage program for boys and their father figures to mark the passage from childhood into adolescence. So tell me, what's that been like? What kind of changes have you seen? Yeah, it's been a lot of things. You know, I think in him, I continue to just see this progression of a little more certainty in himself, right? He's at that developmental stage where, you know, the psychologists talk about it as like healthy ego building or healthy ego identity, right? There's this idea that this stage in life, it's all about starting to believe who we are in the world. We start creating a crafting a narrative about our self-identity. And I really see that coming in and him trying on new things and a little more confidence, a little more comfort being kind of his own person, the individuation process is starting. The program itself has just been magical, right? Like to get a group of boys and their father figures out in nature for a long weekend, away from screens, away from devices, and snapping out of just the habitual ways of relating the same ways of the same kind of shallow conversations into a deeper conversation about, you know, who these boys want to be. And what does it mean to be a man and talking about things like emotions and changing bodies and puberty and sex and all the things that are kind of like these big topics at that stage in life and doing it in a way where it's kind of held by these father figures. It's nothing short of magic. It's my favorite way to spend a weekend. So these boys are like 10 to 14. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So what is a good man? What are you trying to teach these boys? That's a great question. You know, a few elements. We talk about it in the sense of some of the elements are like training around this concept of warriorship, being a warrior. And a warrior, not in the sense of like a soldier, but a warrior is somebody who faces scary things and does them anyway. A warrior is someone who really knows themselves. So we talk a lot about this concept of like having one eye out in the world and seeing the world we're walking through, feeling our impact on others, knowing our way in the world, but also having one eye in. So we're teaching a lot around emotional awareness, emotional intelligence. We're looking at our own hopes and dreams, but also encouraging them to look at their own doubts and their fears. And so we're cultivating this sense of kind of strong spine, but an open heart, right? And we do this through, you know, getting them out in the wild, out in nature where nature becomes its own character, right? If you've ever spent a lot of time out in the woods, like things happen. There's creatures and trees and plants and cold water and the elements and it might rain or it might lightning or you might see a snake or who knows. And it's constantly this opportunity for us to discover something new about ourselves and the beauty of the natural world. In that sense, it's a rite of passage, right? It's an opportunity to kind of look at our life in a new way with the support of our father figure and, you know, these boys' father figures. So, yeah, that's it fundamentally. So do the fathers speak into the son's life, like around the campfire? Speak into their life? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, do they like encouragement or, or? Yeah, yeah. So there's quite an opportunity. So one of the elements in this particular program is that we send the boys out into walks in the woods with their father once a day, an hour and a half, two hours, where it's just the two of them out on this beautiful property in the mountains. And 
sometimes we send them out with questions to ask each other, you know, so it's not just about the boys getting wisdom from their fathers. It's also about opening up some curiosity in the fathers about their boys life. Like what's important to them? What are their dreams? What are their doubts? You know, this is the thing I think in our culture, you know, we're so, there's so many distractions, so many things that pull us away from those deeper conversations and those deeper connections, especially with our children. So sometimes we need something a bit radical and a bit drastic to kind of snap us out of those everyday experiences of just, you know, plugged into screens and going from one practice to the next and, you know, just trying to make our lives work, right? So the idea is occasionally we need to get out of those habitual ways of relating and into something that's different, that's maybe even a little uncomfortable. Um, that is fundamentally what a rite of passage is, is helping mark a movement from one phase of life into the other and best done out in the natural world. So some of it is the father's kind of imparting wisdom, but I would frame it a little bit more as just opening up the connection between the father and the son. Yeah, because I would imagine that the sons usually kind of hear from the father some kind of order, like, you know, get your chores done, you know, come on, we're going to practice. So to have a different kind of communication would be really powerful, I would think. Yeah. You know, I think for most of us fathers, you know, many fathers, they didn't necessarily have role models around how to drop in a little deeper with their children, right? As children themselves, you know, there's a learning process for the fathers in this as well about how do you drop down a little deeper in connection with your children in a way that's meaningful, you know, as children you know, we look up to our parents and they really are like these divine God figures, right? They're really like the faces of the divine. We're so dependent upon them, right? And it takes a while for that to wear off. And eventually it does, right? Life will show us the humanness of our parents. But at this age, 10 to 14, there's still quite a bit of projection there, right? So in my belief, all our kids really want is the loving presence of their parents, right? They want to be able to look their parents in the eye and just feel that warmth from them, feel that connection. And that's kind of hard to do on a day-to-day, you know, especially as fathers, right? So sometimes we just need a little support to like snap out of that and have some people kind of help us drop in a bit deeper, whether that's around a fire or looking up at the stars or going on a walk in the woods, finding ways that we can connect beyond just talking about, you know, practice and sports and cleaning the room. Not that those things aren't important. Those are, you know, that's life. So for some people, it's like going to a program like this. For others, it's like simply going on a camping trip or taking some sort of adventure together, going on a nice long hike on the weekends, like getting out of the clutter of our lives to be able to have those moments where we can just feel into our children, like really have them feel our presence and connect in a deeper way. So do the boys leaving this experience, do they feel different? I mean, do they feel like they've transitioned? (laughs) Funny story. So one of the moms, you know, is kind of checking in with the family saying, hey, how's everybody doing since going through this program? You know, and she said, well, he says to me that he is now a young warrior (laughs) and that I shouldn't be able to tell him what to do so much that he's now a bit older and has gets to decide what what he's doing, which is a little bit of a misinterpretation of what we were imparting upon him. But I think you kind of get the idea where there's like a little bit more confidence, a little more sense of who he is in the world and who he's becoming. And 
that individuation process around, you know, 12, 13, 14, it's really starting to kick in. And so the idea is that definitely needs to happen, right? We know that children need to kind of push off from their parents. My hope with this type of work, and I know this is part of the work that you're doing as well, is that that individuation process can happen. And hopefully the parents, like, you know, these boys still feel that their father is one of the people they can turn to when things get hard, right? That they have enough connection that when that inevitable teenage angst comes along, they know that dad will be there or their father figure will be there if they want some support there, right? That they've demonstrated enough of a connection and felt enough of connection that when things get a little, you know, weird, which they inevitably will, that they know dad can be there for me. So what can moms and dads do to raise good men? That's a great question. You know, I kind of go back to this concept of having a strong spine, so to speak, Mm -hmm. which means like being clear and strong in our bodies and in our minds, but also having an open heart, right? So, so much of the pressure in our culture, and it's changing, right? So much pressure in our culture is around shutting down our awareness to our emotions as boys and men, right? That that's actually a sign of weakness. And I would just, you know, I think we're seeing a change in this, but it's very clear to me, a good man, he's doing good work in the world. And it's not just for his own selfish needs, but he's showing up and, you know, in his purpose and in his contributions to his community. But he's also really aware of what's happening in the internal landscape of his life so that he understands his impact on other people. And so for me, this whole idea around kind of emotional literacy is something that's super important to teach boys so they become good men. You know, teaching emotions as a source of power as opposed to weakness, right? Like when I really understand the nuances of feelings moving through my body, it actually makes me more effective in the world and makes me more have greater impact and more influence, right? It's actually a form of a superpower. So that's one piece that I think is really important. And then teaching the idea of accountability and integrity that my words and my actions are aligned and that there's an honesty in that. So how do we cultivate those things? Well, obviously, as fathers and mothers, we like do our own work around that so that we're showing up with integrity. We're showing up non-reactive emotionally and showing up resourced and clear in our emotions. But we're also giving our children experiences where they are asked to learn, you know, emotional awareness, learn things like, you know, for men on our training for these boys, we're teaching them the art of consent, essentially, right? Like understanding. So we'll do some things spatially, right? Like we'll line the boys across from the dads and the boys will use their hand gesture to say, come closer, right? Now stop. Now move back. They're in control of moving their fathers around the room, spatially closer, farther back, and then holding them so that they're in control of how close someone gets into their physical space. And in that practice, we then get to open up this dialogue around consent, right? Like, how do I invite someone closer to me? How do I honor someone else's boundary when they say stop or no or move back? So we're using this, obviously, like you can begin to see the other applications of this as these boys enter into the teenage years, right? And hormones start cranking, but they've already had an experience of both leading this. And then, by the way, we'll flip the roles in this practice. And then the fathers will 
tell them to come and stop and move back. And they've had this experience already of basic form of consent and boundaries, right? I like that. So what's unique about the father-son relationship? Yeah. You know, there's this poet and author who wrote about men's psychology many decades ago. His name was Robert Bly. And he talked about the feminine, maybe the feminine in all of us, or maybe women, depending on how you want to interpret it. I would probably say just like the feminine in all of us. It connects best like in a circle, right? Like uh, sitting, talking, facing each other, sharing and listening to each other's experience in a circle of kind of equality and connection. The masculine in all of us, so maybe men and boys are a bit more masculine, maybe not, but let's just say the masculine. The masculine in us connects best walking side by side, ideally in nature, and often not saying a word, right? There's a thing about the connection of just being on a walk or a journey together and feeling my boy by my side and him feeling my presence next to him as we're walking through the woods or on a trail or on some sort of path that there's more kind of transmitted in those hikes about our relationship than if we were to actually, you know, sit down and chat it out. I've had several fathers as I've used that beautiful description that Robert Bly talks about. He says, you know, well, I've had several fathers say the time that I feel most connected to my son is when we're driving in the car to a practice and he'll tell me something about his life, right? There's this idea of being on a mission together, being on a journey together. And that's when the most openness happens, right? Which is a little different than like, you know, let's sit around the table and talk about why your grades are so bad or why you're having trouble at school. That's going to be a bit more difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I always have enjoyed and other fathers report like, get out and go do something together. Go to the go-kart track, go on a hike, go, go fishing, go whatever it is. And that's where you're going to get to the bottom of what's happening in your boy's life about if there's some sort of behavior or impact that just isn't working or is, you know, misaligned, you got to get out in the world and go do something and not do the like, sit them down in the bedroom. Sometimes that needs to happen as well, obviously. But if you really want to go deep, it's the walk in the woods. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that different for moms and daughters in terms of nothing is going to be accomplished sitting down at the kitchen table because that Mm -hmm. seems stressful. So part of I think for mothers and daughters, it's like I coach them about finding the time that they're not stressed. So sometimes the car is the absolute worst place for a mother and daughter to talk, especially if the daughter has had an intense day and mom's like, what's been going on? You know, it's bad. So the magic moment for a mother and daughter is when the daughter has relaxed and then she she approaches and you know, hops on the bed or a lot of times it's really just kind of spontaneous. I would say the mother-daughter bonding never happens when you go bathing suit shopping together. That's not a thing, but it's more whatever is relaxed for mom and daughter. So that might be a walk, but it's the relaxed part is what's going to allow connection. So I lead a lot of online groups for moms and a mom asked me, Like she's got four or five kids and she has a son who's 17 
And she says, I want to get closer to him, but I kind of don't know how or how to talk to him. So what are your suggestions? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the one on one time is just that's where that happens, right? And so making sure, first of all, just from a structural perspective, making sure that you've created, maybe there's some other agreements with dad or the other people in the family, but you got to just find the time to just spend a day or go on an overnight trip. In my family, that's a high priority that everybody gets these one-on-one connection times, right? And then I would just align with his passion, right? Again, it's like, what is he into? Is he into sports or music? Or, you know, do you take him to a show or take him on a trip, whatever it is. And it's in those in-between moments, as you described, right? That that's where those deeper conversations happen. And I think, you know, one of the things we teach the dads is just coming in with a high level of inquiry, right? Just mm-hmm. non-judgmental, suspend your judgments about your opinion about what your child should or should not be doing. And just really greet the opening of these conversations. Once you're kind of out of the everyday reality, out of your normal life, you're on some sort of adventure together, really have a high level of inquiry and questions about what's important, what's important to him, what's he concerned about? Is he getting the support he needs? You know, just really a lot of curiosity before opinions. As parents were quick to try to want to jump in and solve and advise and... (laughs) In my experience, because I have done that many times, it just kind of shuts down the, right. you know, shuts down the conversation, right? So just treat it a little bit more as an interview. You can always circle back and come back around to it if you do have something that you want to share or impart, but make sure you have the time and space and then, you know, do something that's really exciting and interesting to them. And then in an in-between point, offer a lot of question and inquiry. Yeah, that's great. Well, I suggested, I suggested that she just take him to get a burger because he likes to eat and -hmm. just to meet him at the level he's wanting to share. So he's comfortable with that. So instead of mom kind of trying, feeling like it's on her shoulders to kind of lead that conversation, wherever he starts talking, she just meets him on that level Mm -hmm. and create a positive experience together. So I think part of it is How I think of relationships with teens is that it's an experience. It's more than just communication. And so it's like, was that a positive experience? Are you energized having been together or do you feel completely drained? Like my daughter and I have gone to Colorado a ton and we go hiking together. It used to be she was behind me. (laughs) Now she's ahead of me. (laughs) But... (laughs) But there's one time that we just keep laughing because she started venting about something. And oh, my gosh, she was leading and we got off the wrong trail. And I think we we were like almost to Denver from Rocky Mountain National Park. We had walked so far because she was just venting, venting, venting. We've shared music together. We've gone to Telluride's Bluegrass Festival and New Orleans Jazz Festival. So those are some things that she liked. But. I think adventure for mothers and daughters is important also. It might look a little different, but I think teens are wired for adventure. They're wired for risk. Girls are too. Guys maybe have a different flair sometimes. Mm -hmm. But if you can do a positive adventure with your son or daughter, I had a mom who 
He was divorced, but she took her son night fishing and did the spear thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mom like kind of liked that too. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you can push your boundaries a little bit and just think of a fun experience that y'all could share together with a son or daughter, I think that has a little adventure that's a little novel. I mean, they'll remember that for their whole lives. Yeah. I mean, you're doing a couple of things there, right? As you said, like we're giving them memories, right? There's these memories of these experiences together. There's also this thing under the surface, right? That is, you know, it's one thing to like go on a hike and take in the view. And it's entirely another thing to like be in a moment of wonderment or awe or just kind of this breathtaking beauty and to share those types of experiences. That's more than just like snapping a quick photo. It's like, wow, you know, to get out in the beauty of the natural world where that awe and that wonderment, it just opens up something in the human heart, right? And it creates just enough relaxation around the edges where we can then have these deeper conversations. So I personally am a big fan of getting out into nature and letting nature kind of do its thing. We're so starved as a culture to that connection back to the natural world. And I think it's a really important medicine, especially in, you know, in the kind of family relationships. Yeah, I think that works on another level too, because when you are, and I completely agree, but when you are in a sense of wonder and awe, you're fully present. And I think the challenge with teens when you're in the real world, so to speak, is they're never present because they're just scattered, splattered. And sometimes we're not present either. We're on our phones too. So that both of us, parent, teen, are present in wonder and awe. All of that wires together to an amazing experience. So what is the role of fathers in today's world? And how is that different from, let's say, the generation before? Yeah. You know, some of this, we're in a time where all of this is changing, right? Obviously around, you know, just what it means to be a man and gender. And it's this very interesting moment where everything's in flux and changing. But generally, you know, let me just speak from my personal experience, which is some of the things we already talked about, which is modeling kind of emotional maturity and while still being strong as a man, right? For my family, there's still this element of providership and it's all changing, right? The cultural, economic factors are all shifting, rightly so. They needed to crumble. Things have needed to change. We have so much more financial equality. But fundamentally, I think for most of us as fathers, we're still like, we feel that there's something almost genetic or or DNA to like, make sure our families are safe and secure, most fundamentally, right? And there's something about that. There's something about the emotional maturity. And then there's this last piece about, I view my role as a father to also take my children out of their everyday reality on occasion. Like we get so stuck in loops and ruts. And especially as children, it's easy to just be in a myopic kind of self-centered existence of school and friends. And so I view part of my role as a father is to take them out of that and show them other aspects of the world. So this is travel. It doesn't need to be big international trips. That's been something that's been kind of fun for my family and help them with that. But it can be just going to, you know, a different part of the city and seeing a different culture or taking them to some experience that will 
snap them out of their small everyday reality and begin to see things from fresh perspective. And I think that as a father, you know, I think that's part of it, right? That's part of our role is to shake things up a little bit and expand horizons so that the children, as they mature, their understanding of the world is a bit broader than just the neighborhood they grow up in. And that's at times me exposing them to different ideas or different books and different ways of thinking. And, you know, maybe that's something about fatherhood, maybe that's something about parenting, but there does, from what I've seen with other fathers, there's like this certain source of pride in fathers to be able to give that to their children, right? To like pull them out of their, you might even say like the comforts of the home, which is much more of a feminine place, right? And put them into places that at times are even uncomfortable. There's like a level of discomfort when we're on an adventure. It's a necessary ingredient in adventure is, you know, we don't always have the creature comforts of our home and that will make us stronger and that will make the children stronger and it'll help them see the world in a different way. Wonderful. So what are some of the mistakes that fathers typically make with their sons and how can they turn that around? Well, first of all, let me say, I think making mistakes is a necessary part of parenting. I have this regular experience. I talked to, you know, so many parents, right? The parent I thought I was going to be is actually different than the parent I am. And that gap between who I thought I was going to be and who I am, it can be quite painful as a parent right? Just to feel like, oh, I did it again. I'm like, you know, whatever. I was reactive with my kids or I got stuck in my own ruts. And I think it's just to normalize this feeling of I am not doing it good enough or I thought I would be better at this. I think that's a pretty common experience across being parents. And that's why it's so important to work with people like you and other experts that really can give us new skills. So I say that just as a preamble to say, I have certainly felt that. And I think most people feel it. What are some of the mistakes? You know, I think for me, one of the biggest mistakes that I see fathers make is over-indexing on structure, like a rigidity around commitments and jamming an idea of integrity down our children's throats that is based in an inflexibility in our own hearts and minds. And in that also denying our children's emotions, right? I think this is kind of like the classic father wound that many people live with that dad is just a bit of an overstructured jerk that doesn't really understand my experience and feels a bit distant. Um, the other mistake is that we as men will over-index on the providership side of things and we will miss important moments and those feelings of connection. Not to say that we shouldn't be out there providing for our family, but there's a way to do it that when we're with our kids, we're really with our kids. We're really present. That's what I was talking about earlier about this experience of, you know, I don't know, sitting next to them at a fire and being able to look them in the eye and they can really feel us. They can feel our heart. They can feel our love for them. And we become so busy and distracted that many children, their father wound, you know, is that dad just wasn't there for me. He was off working and doing his own thing. So I say those are like the very common kind of archetypal mistakes that we make as fathers. Good news, bad news, we're all going to make them. Good news is, you know, you can start today with just being more present, right? Yeah. I think what I see a lot, because I've been a marriage and family therapist for 30 years, what I see is that 
a lot of times dads are more looking at things from a bird's eye view, you know, and it's kind of principle. And sometimes mom is in the weeds. Mm -hmm. You know, like she knows all the details. She knows every story ever. And I mean, there's advantages of both, but I think it's wonderful if moms can kind of get out of the weeds for a little bit. That's helpful. But I think it's also helpful for dads to get closer in to kind of know more of the story. For example, the principal. Well, my kids worked hard. He should go out. Mm -hmm. But he may not know who he's going out with or what he's doing. You know, it's like a principal. Why can't he just go out? He's worked hard. Yeah, I think this is so spot on. You know, I think about this through my own journey, right? So my kids and their mom, we divorced five years ago. And I became such a better father to my children when those parental roles shifted, right? Where I now had to be in the weeds for my kids. I had to know all of their friends, had to know their daily schedule. I had to know exactly what their food preferences, stuff that I had kind of, I don't know, just outsourced to mom when we were living in the same house. And then for her, you know, she had to do her own shift around this, which is her own journey. But for me, it was very much what you're saying. Once I could really understand the details of their life and what was important to them in in a way that she had been holding, I became a much better dad to them. And I don't think we have to go through a divorce as fathers to show up in that way, right? To break down those roles a bit more and be a bit more present, I think is something we could all do. What are some of the mistakes that you see dads making with their daughters? Yeah, that's a good one. One of the things that I think, again, it kind of goes back to how comfortable am I with emotions in myself and others, right? And when I am uncomfortable with volatility and chaos in myself and my own kind of chaotic heart or my own uncertain emotions, like I'm going to project that all over the people I love the most. And this often happens on our daughters, right? So we either explicitly tell them to chill out and, you know, calm down or whatever, or our actions show that their emotions are not okay. So I think as fathers, part of it is just spending enough time in our own self-reflection so that we can be good with the ups and downs and not have to, again, come off as like a hyper-rigid, controlling, or distant father. And, you know, that's real work, right? This is not easy. It's like a lifelong journey around this. And for me, that has meant surrounding myself by other men who can hold me accountable to that. So I've done a lot of like men's work and men's circles where I bring my own doubts and fears and feelings about my daughter and how the ups and downs of that and my son. And I have a place where, you know, these men that are like really good dudes are supporting me and challenging me around being better in this specific realm of emotional availability and non-reactivity and being more present. And I think one of the mistakes that I see is that I think as girls, especially when they enter into high school, dads kind of feel like on the outside some, and they don't know how they would have a relationship with their daughters. So it's very peripheral when really the daughter would love to spend time with dad. But it's uncomfortable, maybe because of the emotions. But it's also, I think they just don't even know what they could do with them. Yeah. I mean, again, 
our role as fathers, we have this opportunity to pull our children out of their everyday reality. So get creative. Like, what is it that you would love to expose your daughter to? Something maybe she likes as well. I, one of my all-time favorite father-daughter experiences was taking my daughter to a museum that had a fashion exhibit. Nothing I would ever do by my own, on my own. <laughs> but, you know, she's into fashion. And I saw her in a way that I can never unsee. I don't know actually how long it was. It was so timeless. Every dress, every piece, she would spend 20, 30 minutes examining it, looking at it, taking photos. And I just saw her and her creativity and she had her sketch pad with her and she was like sketching out what she was seeing as well in her own kind of artistic expression. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced as a father. And she will tell, you know, she's nine now. This was when she was like six, right? She will say that she still remembers that. And that's when she really started her love of sketching fashion stuff, you know, after we went to the museum. So it actually impacted her as well, even though for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how creative my daughter is and how much she loves adorning things with beautiful things. And that's an example of something we could do is just find some interest and again, snap them out of their everyday reality, expand their horizons, take them on some sort of adventure type thing together. And you'll see them differently, but it also open up the space to have a conversation about some deeper things in life. Oh, that's great. One father I know just had me on the floor laughing because he was trying to build that relationship with his daughter and he did, but he had to watch the Kardashians once a week. <laughs> okay. So I spent last night watching Project Runway with my daughter. <laughs> so not anything I ever thought I would say, let alone say it on a public podcast. But yes, I've been watching Project Runway. Well, they bond over that. That's a good bonding. Good for That's both of you. Very good. Yeah. So my audience is mostly moms. There's probably a few dads listening. So if moms wanted to give their husbands some advice or dad some advice, how do they do that? If they said, if they want dad to be closer to son or daughter, sometimes that's a hard thing for a mom to kind of tell a father or a husband. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways that may work, first of all, I just want to acknowledge, right? It can be a bit hard to have your wife come to you or your partner and say like, essentially like what could be interpreted as do better as a father, right? Like if it has any note of criticism or not doing enough, it's not going to be received very well, right? So there's an opportunity though to point out the uniqueness of the father-son or the father-daughter bond, right? Let's talk about the father-son bond. There's an opportunity to say like, he is changing before our eyes, our boy. And it's so clear he is going to need you more and more. And you have such a unique role in his life as his father. Perhaps, you know, there's something you could be doing with him to help him on his path towards becoming a man. And, you know, any dude is going to love to hear that, right? Like, <laughs> I have a special role about creating, <laughs> you know, shaping this young man into my likeness. Um, there's something about a subtle ego stroke in that that I think any of us would love to hear that we have some wisdom to impart to our offspring, right? But it's true, right? Children are so dependent upon the mother early in childhood. And then at some point, for boys, it really does become more about learning to become a man. And of course, mothers can help with that process and have a very important role in that process. 
But there's something very different about the father figure, whether it's bio dad or some other father figure, and their support in the path towards manhood. And I think we see the evidence when that doesn't happen, when there is a failure or an absent father, or there's just no father, like we see what boys will do to get that. We're such highly social creatures, we'll do just about anything to like, belong, right? And when we don't have that father figure, helping that process of belonging, I think we can see evidence of that all over our culture and headlines. And, you know, just look at what happens when we have a culture that's largely absent, healthy, masculine role models, right? So now's the time for dads to step up and to be invited into that from your partner or from the mother is it's a beautiful invitation when done in a kind of a neutral way. No, that's a great point. So yeah, if it's coming from a place of criticism, dad will definitely back off and be defensive. But if it's done from a place, and I think moms, you really have to kind of believe it. You can't just use that as a manipulation. I mean, you have to really see that dad has some amazing gifts for either your son or daughter and come from that place. And then I think you're right. Then dad's like, yeah, I'm the dude and I'm going to step up here. Yeah. And it may look a little different than you want it to. But yeah, the most important thing, I just keep going back to giving these children an opportunity to feel the presence of their father, right? To feel, even if it's just a glance, look in the eye or just few words are spoken, to just have that feeling of connection that goes a long way. And as you know, the researchers in psychology have studied that piece quite a bit. And we know that is an important ingredient to feel that healthy sense of attachment to, you know, our fathers. It's Mm -hmm. very important. All right. So any last advice for the moms listening? Yeah. I mean, let's speak specifically to the ride that those that are on a ride with teenage boys, that what we know is you know, having the presence of one parent, just one healthy adult in their life does marvelous things to setting them up for just being better, well-adjusted humans, right? And so if that means you as their mother, you're that one person in their life, that is the most important thing, in my opinion, that you can do with your life is to continue to invest in being that steady, loving presence, right? When children don't have that, We see evidence of what happens. So if it's you and only you, that is your most important job. Yeah. And if you can gently encourage them to connect with their father and invite the father in, that's gravy. That's wonderful. So if moms have any questions, how could they contact you? So our program is the Father-Son Connection Experience. It's a weekend rites of passage retreat for fathers and sons. And the website is fathersonconnection.com, fathersonconnection.com. And they can reach out there or on my website, lukenshuk.com. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for today. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. 
And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.